We have a couple of scripture passages this evening. One is not listed in your bulletin, but I wanted to have an Old Testament passage so that you guys could see the, um, the theme of redemption or getting out of debt, Christ paying a debt for us. In the Old Testament scriptures, it's Isaiah 44, verses 21 through 28. And it can be found in your pew Bible on page 1,130. Here now the reading of God's Word. Remember these things, O Jacob, for you are my servant, O Israel. I have made you, you are my servant, O Israel. I will not forget you. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth, beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things. Who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited, of the towns of Judah, they shall be built, and of their ruins I will restore them, who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. And will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Our New Testament passage is Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. It can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1,527. 1,527. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead... He went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. 
as for the reading of God's word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're also going to be looking at Lord's Day 5. The back of your green salted hymnal is on page 12. We will read the answers together with one voice. According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both in this world and forever after. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? God requires that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of his justice must be paid in full, either by ourselves or by another. Can we pay this debt ourselves? Certainly not. Actually, we increase our guilt every day. Can another creature, any at all, pay this debt for us? No. To begin with, God will not punish another creature for man's guilt. Besides, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal anger against sin and release others from it. What kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then? He must be truly human and truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, he must also be true God. I know that uh, many of you are probably familiar with the term cosigner. A cosigner is someone who is brought on to sign on to a loan or a line of credit. Forgive me, Dave Ramsey. And uh, the purpose of this individual is that maybe they have a better credit score, they have a, a quality credit score. And therefore, it bolsters the, the person who is giving the debt, giving the line of credit, to say, well, if this one person, the, the initial signer, can't pay the debt, then this co-signer who has better credit and better reputation, paying off debts, would be legally responsible for it. And the scriptures use a similar term, the use the term a guarantor. I don't know if I spelled that right. I don't have an R there somewhere. There. Or surety. I tend to like this word, and I like the way it sounds. It's a very impressive concept to me. A surety is a person who takes responsibility for another's performance of an undertaking. For example, their appearing in court or the payment of a debt. This is what the catechism is speaking of here when it speaks of a debt that must be paid and when it speaks of who's qualified to pay it. I don't think co-signer or a guarantor or surety fully captures what Christ is for us, but it begins to give us the idea, a grasp of it. So our theme tonight is that the high cost of deliverance is... 
paid in full by Christ. And the way that the catechism goes about revealing who the Savior is, is by eliminating other possibilities. And so, in the first point, we're seeing, we're told, we realize now that full payment is needed. It's required. But, in the second point, we find out that many payers are excluded. This debt that we owe is not something that any co-signer can sign on to, any guarantor. And thirdly, we find out, we realize that only one payer is accepted. Full payment is needed. Many payers are excluded. Only one payer is accepted. So let's look at this first point together. Full payment is needed. Question and answer 12 says this. According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both in this world and forever after. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? We spoke of God's justice when we looked at Lord's Day 4 and how his justice is who he is. God is just because God is justice. And we, we talked about how God's justice must be maintained. It must be kept. For God to cease to be just is for God to cease to be God. And therefore, we see at the beginning of Lord's Day 5 these words, God requires that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of his justice must be paid in full. And what are the claims of his justice? What are the things that must be paid? It is our sins. Not only the sin that we share by being in Adam, but the sins that we commit. Not our, only our original sin, but also our sin nature. We must make payment for our sins. It's required. But... Question 13 brings before us a conundrum. It says, can we pay this debt ourselves? No. Can we pay this debt ourselves? No. You see, we begin with question and answer 12, and we think to ourselves, well, this payment must be made in full, either by ourselves or by another, and our sinful pride, our flesh, begins to say, maybe we could find a way out of this. Maybe we can do just enough good things. Maybe we can basically just scathe by that we can figure these things out on our own, that we can make things right with God. But that's not going to happen. 
It's not going to happen because we're like the unmerciful servant in that parable. I know that the parable's point is to speak to the way that we should be forgiving of each other. But it's rooted in the fact that we should be forgiving of each other because we have been forgiven much by God. And if we read here of this king, we hear what Jesus says in verse 23, that the kingdom of heaven is like. This is the way he would open many of his parables. He's saying that the way things God, the way God intends things to be, the way that they're meant to be, the way that things are in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that God is bringing, the kingdom that we are called to pray for in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, is like this. There was a king, and he wanted to make all things right with his servants and clear his debts with them, so he brought a servant to him, and the servant owed him ten thousand talents. Now sometimes it's hard to have a concept of how much money this is. You go to some commentaries, they'll say, this is like millions of dollars. But actually, I think it's better for us to look at it in in terms of time, in the framework of time, okay? 10,000 talents we're told that it would take a day laborer 20 years to make one talent. 20 years to make one talent. 20 years of your life working 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, probably Saturday as well because they were Jews, so they worked six days and had a day off. And we get so upset about our weekends and stuff. 20 years he would work in the field, day in and day out, to make one talent. This man comes before the king, owes 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Brings a different tone to this, doesn't it? When the servant falls on his face before this king and says, be patient with me, I will pay back everything. (laughs) Seems uh, ironic now, or even a laughable matter, that this man would think that somehow he would be able to come up with this money, that he'll figure out a way to pay this king back. This is what Jesus wants us to see. He wants us to see that this servant is in an impossible situation. The servant is no way that he can possibly pay off this immense amount of money. It would take him 20 times 10,000 years to pay this off. And what we're supposed to see when we see that servant is ourselves in our sin. 10,000 talents high. And only increasing that debt every day. So I'm going to try to get back on good terms with Dave Ramsey because he says that the best way to get rid of your debt It's what he calls the debt snowball. 
And you know how you see those pictures of a snowball that starts down the hill, and as it goes down the hill, it collects more and more snow, and it keeps going, and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger as it rolls down the hill. Well, Dave Ramsey says the best way to get rid of your debt is not to start with your biggest debt. It's to start with your smallest debt. And as you get rid of your smallest debt, you add the money that you now have that you aren't paying to that smallest debt, and you add it to the next smallest debt and the next smallest debt. That way you feel like you're making progress. You feel like you're getting somewhere until eventually you get down to that biggest debt and you tackle that. Well, I want to come up with something new, and it's called the sin snowball. It's essentially the exact opposite of the debt snowball because you make no progress. Your debt increases every day. Every day you try to do something good, you've done more things bad. You've thought more things bad. Every time you try to make things right with God by your own will and by your own power and by your own strength, you have increased a little bit in your pride and you have become even more sinful and the snowball is increasing day after day. It's growing and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. There's no way out. Full payment is needed and we are unable to give it. But hey, we're thinking to ourselves, that's all right, that's all right. You know, we can, we can figure something out here. Maybe, maybe we could, um, maybe we, we can't do it, but you know what? Maybe there's somebody else who can. Maybe, maybe there are other payers that could do it. Maybe there are other payers who could do this for us. And that's why in question 14 it says, can another creature, any at all, pay this debt for us? You can see the questioner is almost, is almost just searching, just grabbing for whatever they can hold on to, whatever they can grab on to. They're realizing they've got a 10,000 talent debt And that sin snowball is just growing and growing and growing. And the interest rate's just going higher and higher and higher. Can another creature, any at all, any at all? You see, maybe for us, at this point that we are in history, this seems like an odd question. But in the time of the Reformation, when the people were writing the Heidelberg Catechism, this was important because they were trying to get it very clear into the heads and the minds of the believers before them that there is only one. Because they would look to this saint and to that saint. They would pray to this saint and that saint. They would look to indulgences. Maybe they actually could make their debt clear. Maybe they actually could pay enough to the church to lower their time and purgatory. 
In fact, in, at the time, which is still true today, the Catholic Church believed in something called a treasury of merit. That there's this treasure box up in heaven, stored full of the leftover blessings and mercy and grace that the great saints of the past received for their wonderful deeds and good works. And all of us simple folk who couldn't figure out how to pay their debts, who couldn't do enough penance to figure out how to clear our debts, we could depend upon this great treasury of merit that was overflowing with the grace and mercy, overflowing with the payment that these saints that came before gave. Or maybe we have, maybe we have a 10,000 talent debt, but these other people, mm, they seem like they were able to pay their debt off and, and maybe actually even get a little in the savings, so maybe they would help us a little bit. Can another creature, any at all, angel, a saint, Mary, Gabriel, Michael, an animal, as the Old Testament worked, sacrifices? No. The answer, once again, is no. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to when the catechism begins to start to say yes to questions. No. To begin with, God will not punish another creature for man's guilt. Besides, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal anger against sin and release others from it. We're looking for a representative, aren't we? We're looking for a co-signer. We're looking for a guarantor, a surety, and it is not found anywhere amongst other creatures like us particularly among other human beings, whether they're called a saint or not. The reality is they are in the same place. They have the 10,000 talent debt that we have, and their debt is increasing every day as well. You see, this, this parable of the unmerciful servant is, is told in a story in such a way that, that, that this king, he has mercy. He takes pity and he cancels this man's debt and he lets him go. It's a very simplified way of looking at the exchange that occurs for us in Jesus Christ. It's not really the full picture, that's the point. It's a parable, right? But he has mercy on this servant. And he doesn't tell the servant, cut your debt in half and I will help you figure out how to pay it back. He doesn't tell the servant, no need. I'll figure out another way to get your debt back. He cancels it. The debt is canceled. In this parable, there is no cosigner. There is no surety a guarantor. It's simply debt forgiveness.
But that's not what we see in Christ. What we see in Christ, what this parable is rooted in, is that we are to be forgiving of each other because God and Christ forgave us. It's not that our debt was canceled. It's that another paid. A guarantor. A surety. Or, for lack of a better term, a cosigner. Only one payer is accepted. Two P's? I always get confused. Two C's, one P. Only one payer is accepted. And that's how this question 15 ends. What kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then? One who goes between a cosigner, a guarantor, a surety, one who can deliver us from this debt. He must be truly human. Truly righteous. He must be true God. We know, of course, that there's only one person who fits these requirements. There's only one person who can fulfill this debt. He can be the co-signer. He can be the guarantor. He can be the surety for the debt that we have created, and it is Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully man. Truly human, truly righteous, more powerful than all creatures, true God. The high cost of deliverance is made in full, it's paid in full by Christ. Our debt was not canceled, it was paid for by another. And I like to think that, that maybe, just maybe, Paul, the apostle, had these words of Jesus in this parable in mind when he spoke to the church in Ephesus. And he told them how they should treat one another, how they should act towards one another. And he said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. God forgave us in Christ. God forgave us in Christ. In Christ, our debt that we had before him, one that we could not settle ourselves, was paid for. Christ stood in our place as a surety, as a guarantor, as a co-signer. We couldn't make the payment. We couldn't make things right. We couldn't make things 
clear with him. And so Christ stood in and he said, I will make the payment. I will co-sign. I will be the guarantor. And only Christ could do it because only Christ is the one who has perfect credit. No sign of ever making a late payment once. Only Christ can do it because as a man, he can represent us. And only Christ can do it because as God, he can bear the wrath of God and live. High cost of deliverance is made in full by Christ. Full payment is needed. Many payers are excluded. Only one payer is accepted. The point of the parable, which can be part of the application, really, is that when we realize how far up to our heads we were in debt, when we realize how helpless our condition was, that we were incapable of representing ourselves, of getting ourselves out, and that we were simply waiting for the eternal condemnation that was rightly ours. And we see, just like that king in the parable, who had mercy on that servant, it should change us. It should change us because when we know that God forgave us in Christ, and what did he forgive us in Christ? Everything. Everything that you can possibly imagine. The worst things that you can possibly imagine of another person. God forgave us in Christ. And you think that we then hold the right hold something against another. That's what I want us to think about because no matter how wrong we think we were, how hurt we were, no matter how much we believe that what this person did or said was wrong to the core, It will never reach to the level of the offense our sins had before the face of a holy and righteous God. And when we lose sight of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and when we lose sight of the forgiveness that we have received by having our debt paid for by Him, by having him as our co-signer, as our surety, as our guarantor, we begin to think that we're more deserving of respect than God is. People of God, do not grow bitter towards each other. Be compassionate, loving, 
forgiving one another, just as in Christ, God has forgiven us. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these words. Thank you for the debt that you pay your son Jesus Christ on the cross that we may be your children, sons and daughters, that we may have the righteousness of Christ, that we may know that although even in this time we still struggle against the flesh, the world, the devil, that one day the sin that clings that remains will be wiped away and we will be able to worship you perfectly, fully, as we desire. And to know that even in these moments as we struggle against sin, as we fall to temptation, as we struggle, that, Lord, you are standing there still having mercy on us, forgiving us, because of what Christ, our Savior, has done for us. Lord, thank you so much for such a great salvation. We pray that it will deep, reach deeply into our hearts, that we may be transformed and changed by it, that we may come to know, to be able to embrace and forgive each other, just as in Christ you forgave us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.